So, you know, we have this new this little book club, the Takeaway Book Club now, where people gathering together, give sharing ideas about what would be good summer books, and there's kind of a, a, a philosophical divide over what makes a great summer book. There, there's those, like myself, who think it should be fiction, fantasy, something light, and there are those, like our producer, Jillian Weinberger. Who smiles all the time. She's absolutely happy delightful. Happy, go lucky. Yeah, Very absolutely. intelligent. And while she's and smiling at you, hands you the book that's about tragedy and death in the oil fields. It's a novel uh, of Nigeria. Uh, today's book is called Oil on Water. It's a, it's a very serious novel by Halan Habila. It tells the story of two journalists who are in pursuit of a, a scoop in the oil-rich, poverty-stricken Niger Delta. And the author, Helen Habila, grew up in Nigeria, joins us from our studio, the studios of our partner, the BBC in Washington, D.C. And, Helen, you, you seem to have a, uh, a developed, over the course of your three books, a, a cynicism about the power of journalism to affect real social change or, or even the will that many journalists have to want real change. Is that me being crazy, or do you really feel like? I guess I feel that kind of uh, maybe unconsciously. But, yeah, I mean, given the circumstance, you know, in which they operate um, and the resistance, you know, to free information, to justice, you know, and all that, it's very hard, you know, not to have that kind of um, outlook on life. But my, my attempt is also to show them kind of struggling against all this and persevering, you know, in the face of all this um, resistance and discouragement. You know, we've had a lot of conversations about the price that we all pay for our fuel um, in light of the, the Deepwater Horizon, the Gulf oil spill, and then, of course, the nuclear disaster in Japan. And, and that's kind of the theme of, it seems, of your book, Oil on Water, is is the human toll um, that we end up paying uh, for our fuel that isn't included in the gas prices. And and do you think that maybe perhaps some of these natural disasters that have occurred in the, in the real world as opposed to your fictional world, do you think it's maybe changing people's minds? I think so. I think there's more attention now being paid to, you know, these um, issues, uh, environmental issues especially. Um, people are becoming more aware of the cost, like you mentioned. And in Nigeria in particular, there's been a kind of suppression of that aspect of the of the discussion, um, there was an attempt to divert the whole discussion towards the the violence, the militants, the kidnappings. Um, I think the real issue should be, you know, what we're doing to the environment, how we can change that, how we can be more responsible. But you know, business doesn't want to talk about that. Government doesn't want to talk about that because there's so much money being made um, just by drilling. Basically, just they're just taking money out of the ground. So. It's very sad. But like I said, people are taking more responsibility. People are becoming more aware. And the Internet is doing a lot of um, good towards that. There are pictures there for people to see. And there are, you know, discussion groups. People are talking about it all the time. You know, the portraits that you paint in your your novel as these two journalists um, travel on the river in in a canoe trying to find out. I mean, they're, they're trying to solve a mystery of what happened to, to a woman who disappeared, supposedly kidnapped. Yeah. And some of the portraits that you paint along the way, I mean, let me give you an example here. Dead birds draped over tree branches, their outstretched wings black and slick with oil, dead fishes bobbed, white-bellied beneath, between tree roots. Is that a, a, an accurate portrait of things that you saw? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's even worse than that. So... Um, you need to go there or you need to see the pictures. And like I said, the Internet is doing a lot of good things. Um, there is um, an expose in the Atlantic Monthly just currently, and there are some pictures 
even I, you know, who've seen all these things was kind of um, shocked and disgusted by these pictures. But people live, that's how they live their lives there with these things, just next door to them. People use the gas fires, the flares, to dry their food, their fish. This is poisonous um, gas flare, and it's dripping down, you know, acid rain and all that. People bathe in these rivers that are polluted. That's how they grew up. That's what they, they, they have seen since they were born. So they actually think that this is normal, normal water. Basically, people are just living, the abnormal has become normal, and that's really the sad thing. We're speaking with Helan Habila, author of Oil on Water, which is his third uh, book. And, and I'm wondering, in your novel, you know, oftentimes when people are talking about shutting down um, oil rigs or shutting down coal plants or anything of those kinds, people always argue that you can't do that, it will take away our jobs. And you paint a portrait in your book of, of a village that welcomed the oil fields and it brought prosperity, but then was just utterly destroyed by the environmental catastrophe. It, and I'm wondering if that was also based on a real town. Um, it's kind of general scenario. You know, there are towns like that. You know, there are people like that. Um, and that's the whole rhetoric behind the, the, you know, the company when they come. You know, that's what they tell you. That's what the government tells you, that we're going to bring development to you. It's going to be a blessing. You know, your children are going to get so much money. They're going to get education. But 10 years, 20, 20 years down the line, you see that, you know, what you're paying in terms of the destruction to nature, to the environment, it's not really worth it. Basically, the money they give you goes away. I mean, this is a rural society. They are just ordinary people. The money, they may not even know how to invest the money. You give them all this money, it goes. matter of years, it's, it's, it's gone. And the environment is also gone with it. And that's a sad thing. My thinking is that government should do something, you know, intervene, find ways of educating these people. Um, the company should, should do something as well, educate these people, find um, ways of training them to invest the money. There are so many things government can do, but it's not being done. Basically, all they want is just to go there, take the, take the oil, and just kind of um, give the people money, and that's it. You know, you worked as a journalist originally before you became a, a multiple multiple prize-winning author. And, and, and I remember a quote that, that you've been quoted as saying, every oppressor knows wherever one word is joined to another word to form a sentence, there'll be a revolt. Uh, do you think that's that's more true that perhaps your your fiction writing is maybe more effective in in bringing about the kind of change you want to see than your reporting was? I I'm not kind of um I don't I don't deceive myself you know about the um, effectiveness of fiction you know to to bring to fruition you know all the our desires and hopes and dreams. It's not necessarily going to do that. Maybe not in our lifetime. But um, that doesn't diminish, you know, the importance of fiction, of creating stories and creating narratives, putting words in this, in the mouth of these um, wordless people, powerless people, and kind of um, give them a narrative, show people their lives, you know, and, and make people understand, bring people closer to, to them. Creating fiction is contributing to the culture so that it, it permeates the life of the people. It, it, may, it begins to change the way they think. Um, an essay in the newspaper may have, um, you know, immediate effect. People, you know, might kind of go out on the streets and demonstrate after reading a piece in the paper. But it's not really going to change their culture the way a novel or a film, you know, might do. So I, I know exactly what fiction can do and what it cannot do. But that's, that's where I work. I'm more comfortable with fiction. That's Helan Habila. The new book is called Oil on Water. He joined us from BBC Studios in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Oil on Water is one of the Takeaways book club picks for the summer, and we want to know what you're reading this summer. Tweet us with the hashtag TakeawayReads or head over to our blog at thetakeaway.org. You're in the club, guys. I mean, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, Takeaway Book Club, that's us, right? We got some picks, but we want to hear from you. You can always reach the Takeaway. Head to our Facebook page to continue our totally ironic conversation on why millions have left Facebook during the month of May. Facebook.com slash The Takeaway. I'm John Hockenberry. And I'm Celeste Headley. This is The Takeaway. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.